Well, it's put up or shut up time on the Critical Eye podcast on a Thursday afternoon, getting ready for week 16, getting ready for Christmas preparations, last minute gifts. I will tell all of you on the show that I am guilty. I was actually in a couple of stores earlier today getting some last minute shopping done. And I'll tell you what, make sure you get your shopping done before today because by gosh, the stores were packed. Joe Von Johnson, Joe Lidneski are smarter than I. They got their Christmas shopping done early, right, gentlemen? Yeah, absolutely. So. See, see, that's that's the thing that that's why you guys are on this show, because you, you keep me in line. I'll tell you what I I got most of my stuff done needing some stocking stuffers, but we got it all all good to go. But uh, now we can get ready for what will be a exciting Saturday and Sunday of NFL action. We're going to preview all three games today. We're also going to talk a little bit about the five letter word that is harassing all of the leagues around sports today. And that is COVID-19. We're going to start with this. Obviously earlier today, the NBA talking about potential new protocols for testing for vaccinated, non-vaccinated. We've heard with the NFL and their new procedures and the fact that they had to postpone some games last week. Who knows if some games this week will get postponed. There has been some rumors that the Steelers and Chiefs could get pushed back as Kansas City continues to lose some players on their roster due to COVID-19, namely Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill, who are still on the COVID list as of today. Gentlemen, I want to begin with this, uh, and I think this affects the NFL maybe a little bit more than the other leagues because the NHL, the NBA currently are – in the dead heat of the regular season where the NFL is in the prime. Uh, is it getting to a point now? Cause I feel this way where the rules are being bent, not that they weren't before, but the procedures are being bent so that you can simply get the season in. Because I think the way I've seen it, we've lost some accountability with these COVID procedures. And I know there's a lot of frustration in the two of you as well. So I'm going to start with you, Jovan on this. It just seems to me like we're going things we're going by things week to week now. Am I wrong? No, I mean I'm I'm starting to to kind of get the idea that you know maybe we need to start reevaluating the COVID protocols or or is this COVID thing not as 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 crazy as what people make it out to be because you know it, it's been on my mind a lot lately, you know, all these different teams and um and players and coaches testing positive and being out games and uh it's, it's just starting to get a little bit out of hand and, and it's something that you know needs to be corrected it's actually i think we sort of come full circle because remember when this started it was you know 15 days to flatten the curve and then you know they, they felt like they kept moving the goalposts further and further away from us now it feels like they're you know slowly but surely bringing said goalposts back to us. Um, I mean, if you, if you really think about it, you know, now there's the you know I saw NPR today had an article that basically acknowledged that you know an N95 mask is the only thing that would would do any good. Um, so do, are they suggesting that the masks that we wore before didn't work any good? or has a less deadly variant now become smarter and discovered which masks are easier to attack? Um, I don't, I mean, I don't know that the answer always will be follow the money. And, you know, I predicted 
that Roger Goodell would, you know, find a way to end COVID long before anybody in government would, because his primary concern is the pockets of 32 owners. But it is interesting that, you know, we are canceling all these games, yet it does appear as if this Omicron variant is, is far less significant. Um, I, I want to know, and I think this is important, you know, when we had the, you know, when the death tolls were out of, out of control, you know, is it died with or died from? Because they're two different things. And I want to know of all these positives, but we don't ever, we don't ever get, uh, you know, who was it today that uh, the, 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 the guy in Cleveland, the, the player ref, you're talking to Trevor trying to blank. Yeah. Yeah. JC Trevor. Like, you know, he's like, Oh, I had mild symptoms. So I tested myself and, you know, now I'm positive. Well, I guess my question would be, you know, two years ago, would, would you have had any red flags go up? with your symptoms? The, the answer is probably not. Um, and even Tony Fauci alluded to that maybe the severity of illness is what we need to track. And I use the Browns example all the time because I think it's real and it's not, it's not a conspiracy. It's not, it's just the reality of it is that what percentage of the Browns players tested positive because they were ill versus what percentage of the uh, Browns players tested positive because they get caught up in a protocol that, you know, what percentage of us wouldn't, you know, wouldn't ever be in. And if it, you know, it works that way for the Cleveland Browns, you know, what percentage of people walking on the streets of Erie uh, are, are positive for COVID-19 that don't have any clue. Um, I just think that the goalposts continue to get moved because we've already seen how impacted the bottom line can be. And, you know, that's kind of, that's kind of what it boils down to, right? I mean, it's you always, always follow the money. And I don't think the NBA, the NFL, or anybody else. I mean, look at look at bowl season. You know, Texas A&M bailed. What do we do? Let's get Rutgers. That's the next logical step. It's all about the money. It, it seems to me, and this is a concerning thing now as we move into week 16, we saw what COVID-19 did to the Browns. I, I think personally derailed their season. I don't think this team has a prayer of making the playoffs. And now you look at Pittsburgh. It, I think for me, this is just the perspective that I've seen fans of teams whose squad is not infected with COVID-19 almost seem to be more worried than fans of teams whose squad does have COVID-19. And I'll put it to you this way. If you're a Steelers fan right now, you're probably excited for this game on Sunday. The chance with no Tyreek Hill, chance for no Travis Kelsey. Chris Jones is practicing, but who knows how healthy he's going to be for Kansas City, the Chiefs' best defensive player. You would think that as a Steelers fan, you would be excited for this game, but I don't think that's the vibe. There's such a concern for potential postponement, cancellation, whatever you want to call it, are, are the COVID policies guys benefiting the team with COVID more? Because this is, I think, the point we have to hit on as we get into these three games here. There's not a lot of time left in the season, and the playoffs are definitely not going to be pushed back because of COVID concerns. Is it, it, Are the rules in favor of the squad whose, whose team does have COVID? It just seems to me like things are backwards. I mean, I, I think at the current moment um, we could say that, but I'm not sure that um, once the playoffs get started that that's going to be the case. I think right now the teams with the COVID, because of the ability to adjust games and, and move things around, 
and try to cater to those teams, um, it's going to it's kind of like, you know, getting hot at the right time going into the playoffs. And, and if you're already dealt with the covid situation, you know, and then and it's going to be the team that that tests out of having to have the covid outbreak that's going to end up winning the Super Bowl. Look at the college football playoff. They're they're talking about potentially if you have a covid outbreak your team basically just being removed from the playoff and the other team possibly just going to the championship or winning the championship uh, based on who's available. Like it's just getting out of hand. I guess my question would be Joe Bond. And again, like, I think it's, I think it's, it's crazy. Like we live in such a divided world, right? You know, if, if you, you know, if you raise a question, you know, you're, or you're fearful of raising a question because, you know, you might be called uh, a racist or you don't want to raise a question, a common sense, rational question, because, oh, you're a, you're a Trump or you're an anti science Like, I mean, there's a lot of things about science and I was not a very good student, but I knew that chicken tenders with my beer was not making me safer from COVID-19. I knew that with my very, very sparse science education which, you know, peaked at in the fourth grade. I knew that chicken tenders did not make me safer from COVID-19 than just beer alone. I knew that for a fact. But anytime you ask a question, like you got to, oh, you got to, you got to worry about, you know, where's the, the woke parade, you know, brigade going to come from, you know, the cancel culture that's going to hammer you. Like, I mean, I, I don't think, I don't think raising, legitimate questions about the protocols, about the rationalization, about what we're doing makes me an anti-anything. I think that just makes me a relatively informed, you know, rational, educated human being that, you know, second nature is to ask questions. Like I asked the question, why do I care what Bill Gates thinks? He's a computer nerd. He's rich. Great. That doesn't make him a scientist. What, what do, what do, so Bill Gates tweets his Christmas plans and we should all change ours. Why? Now, if he told me to download new software, that'd be something different. But like anytime we ask these questions and, and the, the players are, are in a similar spot, everybody has questions and you put, you know, 85 guys in a locker room, you know, some guys are going to believe in one thing. Kyrie Irving thinks the earth is flat, but remember at one point in time, all the smartest people in the room agreed that the earth was flat. The, the question that I want to know is, is this just going to go away or are we going to deal with respiratory infection and viruses like this from now until the end of time? Are we going to continue with this insanity of ducking and hiding? Like I'm reading people are like, yeah, maybe we should just cancel sports for a couple of weeks to let things settle down. That's not the way this works. We've already tried that once. And if anything, we've learned that we all agree on just waiting 15 days to flatten the curve is certainly not the answer. And I'm not saying that. like That's not anti-anything. That's common sense. People on both sides of the aisle have to see that we've tried every – and now we want to try the same things over and over again. But I want to know, moving forward, is this the new norm that teams and leagues are going to have to try to contend with? Well, the big question is going to be, is it going to affect the rest of the season? And I think we saw last year, there was a clear conscience of what exactly was going to be put in place 
Not necessarily the case this year as we move forward. And with just three games to go, we're talking about a season that has had the most parity of any season that I have quite seen in my lifetime. And I'm sure you guys have as well. It would certainly be a shame for it to be ruined by potential COVID protocols one way or another that could potentially derail the season. So let's transition into this because I think COVID's a good bridge. The false optimism of Pittsburgh sports fans, I think sometimes is justified and sometimes it's not. I'll admit to you, I'm a Steeler fan. I watch this team with a railroad of a season every single year, up and down they go on the spectrum of happiness and success. Two and two in their last two games, the two games that they lost, they were blown out. The other two games, I basically had to throw up my lunch in order to watch them win. And we go into this game against Kansas City on Sunday, and you'd like to believe as a Steeler fan that this team, without having to face the top Kansas City weapons, could win the game. If you don't have to guard Travis Kelsey, if you don't have to guard Tyreek Hill, Patrick Mahomes, though he's been hot as of late, he's had an up and down season. But this seems to me, guys, like a game that I've seen too often, a game that Pittsburgh will go in and will play well. They will stay in it. They will battle all the way down to the end and Kansas City will take over late in the game. As I look at this game on Sunday, guys, what I'm seeing is this. If Pittsburgh is going to win, they're going to have to do it in the opposite way that they're used to. They're going to have to throw the football. Kansas City this year on defense is one of the best against the run. They've allowed just over 105 yards rushing per game. They have done an incredible job with Chris Jones and company at stopping guys like Najee Harris and rookies in their division. Am I crazy to say that for the Steelers to win on Sunday, Ben Roethlisberger is going to have to have a career day? And can Pittsburgh win the game? Will Pittsburgh win the game if Kansas City is shorthanded? What do you say you? Jovan, have you ever seen the movie Animal House? No, I've never seen it before. What? All right, that's your, first of all, that's your homework assignment. If you've never seen the movie Animal House, Jovan, we can see it together. Homework. Guilty as charged. I'm, I have not right. seen it either. <laughs> well, come on. John Belushi's is great. But there's this one scene in Animal House where uh, Otter, who's one of the fraternity guys, says, he can't do that to our pledges. And Boone replies, only we can do that to our pledges. Now, I feel like that's the way the Steelers are treated. In the, in the local media versus the national media. And I feel like the local media is always taking the opposite approach as to what the, the belief is when it comes to the Steelers. Now, the Pittsburgh Steelers have shown some life, but they've also, you know, really broken your heart. And they certainly appear to be dysfunctional, but they've also shown to be promising. But I also think you have to look at, you know, who they have kind of given you this false hope with. I mean, you look at the Titans, and we know they don't have Derrick Henry. Uh, I don't even know who their wide receivers are these days. Um, They came back to almost beat the Vikings, but I'm not certain that Kirk Cousins is is anybody that really is going to, lead the Vikings to the finish line. The Ravens went for two. 
But this false hope stems from teams that I don't think I don't think the Steelers need to be measured against. You know, what happened when they played the Bengals? Got roasted. What happened when they played the Chargers? Um, you know, they got they fell down a, a ton right out of the gate. You know, I think I think the Browns and the Ravens, again, are false hope. So for what it's worth, show me what you're going to show me against the Chiefs. Because of the other aforementioned teams, Joe Mon, they're trending in the wrong direction as the finish line approaches. Now, here come the Kansas City Chiefs, who, you know, we were questioning Andy Reid. We were questioning Mahomes. We were questioning the defense. We are questioning the offensive line. But all of a sudden, the offensive line was five new starters who started started to, to mold together a little bit. Uh, Mahomes is starting to look like the MVP-type candidate. So they're certainly trending in the right direction. I think I'm going to hold any comment on what I think the Steelers are until they prove it to somebody that against somebody that I am 100% confident is a playoff team. Because the, the false hope, um, I'm not certain that it's warranted strictly based on opponent. I don't think the Steelers beat the beat the Chiefs even if Travis Kelty and Tyreek Hill doesn't play over the weekend. I mean, I think they're still capable enough, uh, the Chiefs are, with Patrick Mahomes and the, his ability to throw the ball down the field um, without those guys. I think defensively the Chiefs have been playing a lot better um, than they were earlier in the season. And I, don't, I just don't think the Steelers have enough offensive firepower to go out there against that Chiefs defense and, and put up enough points. Um, they'll have to play a, a, a shootout game against Mahomes. I think he, he has enough weapons that even if his two star players um, in the receiving court don't play, he can still get it done against the Steelers. Because, again, like Joe's point, you know, the false hope, it's still there. They haven't beaten anybody worth mentioning. Um, and in the games that they did want when they were less than a, impressive um, and they lost some some games that, you know, leave you scratching your head, you know, like the, that Bengals game where they got completely destroyed, you know, leave you scratching your head as to, you know, what exactly are the Steelers all about? You know, I, I actually have an analogy. Jovan, you haven't watched Animal House. Have you watched The Walking Dead? I've, I've watched a little bit of it. I haven't really taken it all in. So you, you get the gist, though. You, you, you know exactly what it means. You know what the Steelers are? They're the zombie horde in The Walking Dead. And, and, I'll, and I'll, tell you, <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you why. This is a team, and we talked about this last week. We watched them in, against Baltimore. We watched them come back late in the fourth quarter. We watched them against Tennessee, forcing the four turnovers in the second half. We watched them somehow come away with an incredible victory. In The Walking Dead, here's what you know. And I don't watch a lot of episodes, but I watch enough to get the gist. You know that at some point in the show, there's going to be a horde of zombies chasing after you. That's the Steelers. You know that they're fairly dead, but they're not dead yet. You know that if you're not careful, they're going to attack you, but really you have the resources around you to be able to defend them. Some people don't know how most people do, but even though this horde of zombies is theoretically going to take over the world, here's what you know. You know that all it takes is a couple of people banding together and the horde of zombies is going to go away. And I just have that inkling and that feeling that for Pittsburgh, listen, you don't have to win this Sunday to still be in playoff contention, 
but I think more of a physical moral side, if you can't beat Kansas city with them depleted, I hold you to the same standard that I hold the Cleveland Browns when they couldn't beat the Raiders, different team, different contextualization, different setting. I get it. But when adversity hits you in the face and you're given somewhat of a gift, please take advantage of it. I don't know if this team can, we'll see. We'll give all of our picks a little bit, but I want to shift to this and I want to shift to the Buffalo bills. You know, I'm picking the bills to win this week. I don't know why, but it just it could be because I don't think New England is as good of a team as we think they are. I think minus the last few games, which they've had good running attempts from Ramondre Stevenson and company, I think they've overperformed and they've overachieved. But I will say this about the Buffalo Bills. This team lacks confidence more than I've ever seen. And it almost seemed to me last week, even though they gave the ball to Devin Singletary somewhat at between 22, 25 times, it seemed like it was forced as if Buffalo was listening to the media, listening to them talk about how they couldn't run the football and the Bills wanted to prove a point. When I saw the final score last week and anyone who didn't watch the game, you would think it was a blowout, but it wasn't that. I say Buffalo lacks confidence, guys, because they're, they listened to what the media was saying. They listened to what the outsiders were telling them. They ran the football 22 times. And I know that they need to do it more often, but it seemed forced. Is Buffalo going to have a chance to win this weekend if they don't have that confidence? I don't know. I'm picking them to win, but I really don't see this game as a battle of two incredible teams. I see it as a game of two teams that are looking to just keep themselves in a playoff hunt because I don't think any of these two teams are good enough to win a Super Bowl. Well, I don't know if that's necessarily uh, something I agree with because I think the the Bills in many respects are a lot like Lamar Jackson. I mean, their good is is really good. Their bad is is not so bad. They're not so good. But I I do think that the one thing that sort of gets left behind – is this is a team that is also very good defensively in the not so sexy categories, right? Like we just, we just just kill them because they do not run the ball. You know, I I get that, but you know what they also do, Jovan? They don't let people run it on them. So as bad as they are, statistically speaking, believe it or not, I was doing some show prep, like weird, right? Statistically speaking, as bad as they are for the year, for the year, they've won the ground game. They have rushed for more than 120 yards than their opponent all year long. They averaged 0.6 yards per carry more than their opponent. They've only given up 15 rushing touchdowns to 14 rushing touchdowns. So there are a lot of little things that they are very good at that we don't give them credit for to be nearly plus 12% in third down efficiency. They're, they're batting 45.56% on third down while they're holding their opponents to 34.43% on third down. They're outscoring their opponents by 11 points a game. So as flawed as they are, and I know that you like old school smash mouth, type football job on, they check a lot of those boxes that's not running the ball. And, I, you know, again, when you do 
you know, Joe Paterno always had a great line. When you take care of the little things, the big things take care of themselves. And as flawed as the Bills may or may not be, and as fundamentally as we may disagree, and I always call for their defense to create more havoc and cause more turnovers, their defense is quietly way better than 99% of the world gives it credit for. Hold on. I got uh, Joe. I just want to make a quick comment. Joe Vaughn, you, you can jump in. Joe, I, it's an interesting thing that you bring up a stat because I've got a couple too. I'm all about in the NFL, what can you do against your best opponent? So let me give you some statistics for those of you who may not know a game by game breakdown and our nerds like us who like to see the game by game stats in key games against teams this year against the good teams, the teams that aren't the Jets or the Saints or Washington or Houston. When you go down the line, rushing yards allowed for Buffalo, Carolina, a buck 51, Indianapolis, 264, 120 against Kansas City, 139 to Miami, 222 to the New England Patriots. And then the Tampa Bay, Tennessee games where you had 137 and over 200 yards. So let me just say this. Buffalo's defense in the easy games. Yeah, it's wonderful. But the consistency is not there. uh, That's my point when they don't trust themselves. If you can't step up in the big games, I'm sorry. As good as the secondary is, Micah High, Jordan Poyer, I understand. But this is a team that has proven consistently that in big games, their defense goes away. When you're facing no-name running backs, any defense can do incredibly well. But not this year. And and those stats to me, guys, indicates that this Buffalo team is going to have a really tough time if they get to the playoffs having success. Because... You got to step up in big games, and this defense is not. I think they got a chance to be really good um, defensively. You know, the numbers say one thing, but you know, I think they they have the makeup of a really good team. It's just a matter of of going out there and getting it done. I mean, you can say what you want. Anybody in the NFL uh, is is a capable enough player to go out there and, and have a great Sunday afternoon. Um, but it's just a matter of the Bills taking advantage of the opportunities they have in front of themselves. You know, if they stop getting in their own way, I think they could be a very incredible, very dangerous team down the stretch. Um, they, they, as ugly as the game might have seemed um, over on the last weekend, um, I thought they really were in control the whole way through. You know, running the football effectively, handing the ball off, making the throws when you needed to, you know, what was it? Thirty-one to fourteen was the final, or whatnot. I mean, it, it can it can be ugly, but it can be really effective. You know, when you go out and throw the ball fifty times, I'm I'm not really sure that's the recipe for success when you're playing against teams down down the stretch going into the playoff run. I mean, the the throwing the ball is one thing, but this game against the the Patriots coming up for them, I want to see if if they're going to stick to what they did well last week with handing the ball off and, and sticking to it. And then, you know, when the opportunities are there throwing the ball or, or are they going to go right back to the Buffalo of old and just, and just try to throw the ball all over the field. And then defensively, they're going to have to be ready and willing to go and stop the run because, you know, with Damian Harris being out for the Patriots, I think that gives them uh, one up uh, for the Bills defense because now they can go and play, um, and play real fast and, and know that they only got one guy that they need to stop and, and they don't have to worry about a change of pace running back. 
You know, well, you know, I think it's interesting because, you know, statistically speaking, uh, the Bills are, in fact, the best defense in the league at, at 287-9 uh, a game. Um, your body of work is is in its, its total. Um, and, and you look at, you know, how stats can sort of be in, inflated. And I, I don't I don't discount what you're saying. But it sort of proves my point is that they are the superior team because all those stats you rattled off would lend to believe that, you know, they, they are average. Well, they're not average against a lesser opponent. They're superior against a lesser opponent. And you look at like, you know, the Eagles all of a sudden who, who look like, you know, Tommy Frazier and the 1993 Nebraska Cornhuskers running for 469 yards a game on the ground you know, they now average 165.6 yards a game on the ground, and they're 500. Um, you know, you look at the Indianapolis Colts, they're number one in, in takeaways. Well, they're not even a playoff team at the moment. They're a wild card team on, on their way in. So, I mean, again, I don't, I don't discount what, what you're saying, but I think that is as is, is flawed as the Bills have been. And let's be honest, lackluster, uninspiring are probably better adjectives than flawed. But they have the they have the body of work that shows that they have what it takes to get it done. But, but I'm not I'm not worried about the inferior games. Clearly, they're superior to the New York Jets or even Miami. It seemed that they manhandled twice. I, I, I get that. But when you talk about body of work, I'm looking for the complete body of work. This team has not played well in big games. Let's just settle that straight. And, and while their schedule might be easy, you talked about Indianapolis. They're a great running team, but they're in a wildcard spot. But last I checked, Indianapolis is ahead of Buffalo in the standings. And oh, by the way, they manhandled them in Orchard Park when they played a few weeks ago. My point is this. I have no doubt that Buffalo's talent is there. It's clear. They have studs defensively. They have studs offensively. But when you're a team this gifted, and I look at a team to, to keep it local, like the 2016 or 2017 Pittsburgh Steeler, right? Boosted by high-end talent. What do you do for me when the lights are the brightest? And we have seen consistently this team fail. And, 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 and to, I mean, this is a game for me when you look at this New England-Buffalo game. Buffalo might have to play these guys again in the playoffs, whether it's at home or on the road. You Prove to me, prove to me that you are capable of shining bright and winning in a big-time environment. We have not seen that yet. They're 0-5 in one-possession games. It's all cute and great to beat an inferior team, but when you get to the gritty things of whatnot, how's your defense there? How's your defense there? And so far, it hasn't been very good at all. So, again, we're going to see. I don't know. I think it's going to be close. But uh, Bills and Patriots is Sunday at 1 o'clock, and the winner likely is going to win the division. All right, guys, we're going to make our picks quick, but uh, I want to quickly go to the Browns. Uh, it's going to be tough Saturday sledding on Christmas when they face the Green Bay Packers. What do you make of the rest of the season for this team? I mean, they're not clearly they're not going to pack their bags in. They're not going to end things. They're not going to say we're done. But, I mean, what do you get the sense that this team is in the last three games? I mean, is there any hope? Is it looking to next year? I mean, this team, to me, looks like they're almost in a purgatory. I mean, is that, I mean, is that too much to say? I mean, they might be. Um, I, I mean, I've, I've talked about, 
there are some there will be some very difficult conversations to be had. Uh, I do not envy. I do not envy the, the front office. I, I just I, I look at that situation and, you know, there that's the we talked about this before. That is the primary reason those guys get paid the big bucks, because, I mean, there are there are franchise altering decisions that are looming. And I certainly do not envy the spot in which they find themselves. Yeah, and, and I don't either. And, and that to me, I mean, Jovan, it, it almost is the epitome of the Browns franchise, right? The last couple of years, you feel like you're getting over the hump, but then you get over the hill and you realize there's another mountain to climb. I mean, this team, they just can't get over that 500 hump. And it seems like things are like we said last time on the podcast, they're too tough for Cleveland. Yeah, it's time. It's time, I think, for Cleveland to start making those tough decisions, you know, and, and looking in the mirror and saying, you know what, you know, we gave ourselves a chance to see where we can go with the roster that we had made up, uh, but it didn't work out. So now it's time for us to go in a different direction. Um, so I'm going to say maybe they start with looking at the, the head coach, um, you know, and, and the, the offensive coordinator, because I don't think they were able to use the talent that they have effectively enough for them to go out and win football games uh, to the magnitude of being a playoff caliber team. You know, I think they, they need to go ahead and, you know, start looking to the future at quarterback, finding the guy that they think that they can uh, develop with and build with over the next couple of years, you know, whether that's going to signing a veteran guy that can get them over the hump for a year or two or, or going in the draft and finding a quarterback that they believe in. But, Right now, I just think it's time for them to start making those tough decisions and uh, looking forward to, forward to the future. Man, it's depressing to even talk about this team at this point. And, and Browns fans, we're not trying to harp on you, but you can only feel for these guys who <laughs> the expectation at the beginning of the season is so high. And now, just like Christmas gift giving, you open the presents and for most of them, your expectations drop below the ground. All right, let's pick the games, guys. We'll start with Browns and Packers. I don't think this is going to be any question. Uh, Joe, start with you. Who do you like, Browns, Packers, on Saturday? Uh, I like the Packers. You know, you talk, we talked about a team that's trending in the right direction. Uh, that is certainly a team that is trending in the right direction. And, uh, again, you know, after surviving a near-death experience with COVID, um, Aaron Rodgers is certainly at the front of the line in the MVP conversation. And again, I don't know. I think, you know, with football, especially we get caught up too often in, in winning, you know, championships because, you know, football is certainly not an individual sport, but at, what is he 36 years old, 11 and three, again, the favorite in the NFC, the can't get over the hump. I get it. But I mean, it's now time to start asking ourselves, I mean, is Aaron Rodgers, in fact, the greatest quarterback of all time? The other day, he certainly looked like it. I'm going to agree with you there. I'm, I'm going to go with the Packers in this game, and I think the Packers are going to win by at least 10 points. And, again, to Joe's point, Aaron Rodgers has been a steady staple of, of the pinnacle of success in the NFL at quarterback, and he's been able to do it for a long time and at a very high level, and he doesn't seem to be dropping off anytime soon 
Uh, I'm going to take the Packers too. I'm still reeling over the greatest quarterback of all time quotes. Uh, we can have that debate on, on Monday. Uh, that <laughs> I will take. I will take Tom Brady, but I do think Aaron Rodgers has been there. Uh, I got Green Bay too. And listen, I don't think this is a game where Aaron Rodgers has to do a whole lot, to be honest with you. Cold, snowy Green Bay. I think Aaron Jones is a big game. I think Cleveland's defense collapses and this team goes back to the doldrums of the factory of sadness, which is reopening in Cleveland. Uh, really quickly, guys, let's go to the Bills Patriots. Buffalo or New England, who do you like? I like Josh Allen. I think, I think we talk about trending and trending in the right direction. I think they can get it done. I do not anticipate a repeat of the, the ground dominance. Uh, there's there's a lot of prideful dudes that make a lot of money that are not going to allow that to, to happen again. And I, I do think, you know, you talk about the big stage, the bright lights. Yeah, it's a one o'clock window, but I think America will be watching. I think Josh Allen has a big afternoon. Yeah, I like the Bills in this one as well. Um, I think the Bills – are going to get back to playing the football like they were earlier in the season. And I don't think that they're going to allow for Mac Jones and company to only throw the ball three times and, and expect to go out and beat them again like they did in Buffalo a few weeks back. I think it's going to be a very different outcome, and the Bills will win this game. You know, we saw Mac Jones last week when he had to throw the football in a hostile environment against a good defense. He collapsed under pressure. I'm with you guys. I, I like Buffalo. I think Allen gets it done. I think one guy that's going to have a monstrous game is Dawson Knox, the tight end, especially potentially with Cole Beasley out. We'll see what the deal is with Emmanuel Sanders. We know how good Stephon Diggs is. Watch for Dawson Knox, the tight end, to have a great game for Buffalo. And finally, Kansas City and Pittsburgh. I'm going to take Kansas City. I think it's close. I don't like this game. I wouldn't bet on this game. Guys, your thoughts? Uh, I just don't know. I don't know where the Steelers can, can score enough points, you know, even without, um, you know, maybe Tyreek Hill, maybe Travis Kelsey. We don't know what Pat Frymo's status is going to be. Uh, and the other thing is, is I think, you know, that Mahomes is the, the anti-statue and, and that's a difficult guy to, to get down on the turf. And the Steelers are so reliant on that pass rush. Uh, I think Mahomes ability in the pocket to not be sacked is the difference. Uh, I don't know if they cover that. That's a big number, eight and a half. I don't care who plays, who doesn't play, but I just think, I think the chiefs are certainly trending in the right direction. And again, you know, I'm not hope I'm not rooting against the Steelers, but the Steelers have not impressed me when they needed to uh, in the last couple of weeks. Jovan, 10 seconds, make your pick. Who do you like? Yeah. I like the chiefs in this game. I just think that they're, they're too much firepower to, to for the Steelers to contend with. I like the chiefs. Going to be a fun Christmas weekend. These two gentlemen are on with me for the NFL end zone. We'll have that show on Sunday. A lot to get to folks. Enjoy your Christmas. Have fun with family. We'll see you all back here next week. Enjoy your weekend of football as well. Get the presents you want. Hope your team wins Monday. We're back later. <laughs>